evening. Amen. How many of you are glad that you never go through a battle alone? He promised it'll never leave us or forsake us. The fire never gets too hot for God. The waves never get too high for God. The wind never gets too strong for God. So I just thank God that he goes with us through trouble. That's actually what we talked about last week. Amen. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome this world. So I thank God for that. This evening, I want to talk to you about the body of Christ. It's going to be a two-part message because I know I'm not going to get it all in. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about, do a little bit on the history, a little bit of background of the passage that we're going to look at. And then next week, I'm going to get into the detail and the nitty-gritty and see how it actually applies to our life. But as always, before we go that far, let's go ahead and pray one more time. Ask God to bless me and to bless you. Father God, we thank you this evening that you have brought us through this day. You've brought us through the trials and the tribulations, the heartaches or the hardships that we have might that we might have faced today. We thank you that you'll take us through them again tomorrow and you'll do it, Father God, until that day that you call us home. I thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. So whatever we face, we don't face alone. And I just thank you that when we turn it over to you, Father God, we can have the victory once again this evening. We need the victory. And God, we pray that your holy word would find a place in the soil of our soul. I pray that you would anoint me, Father, as I bring it forth, that I would do so with clarity, with understanding, that you would anoint my mind, my mouth, my heart, my body, that I would be able to bring forth your word with clarity and with understanding. And I pray, God, that you would give us minds to understand, hearts to receive, ears to listen, and hear what it is that you would have us hear this evening. I know everyone will hear something different because that's the way it is. But whatever we hear tonight, God, let it be your voice and let us respond to it accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The body of our scripture that I'm going to be basing this two-part word on. By the way, I wasn't planning on a series. On April 14th, I believe, is when I'm going to start actually my next series, which I told you about, which will be rebuilding the gates, uh, uh, you know, a journey in spiritual restoration. But this one needs to be a two-part. The body of text is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 26. I can't put it all up on the screen, so I'll read one verse on the screen, and then I'll follow through. But it says this. These are the words of the Lord through Paul. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. How many of you get an understanding so far that Jesus is talking about one body? He's talking about unity. Okay, Jesus repeats himself. Uh, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body 
and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Amen? Now, like I said, I'm, I'm going to get into the detail and the nitty-gritty of exactly what Paul was speaking about and how it applies to our body next week. But based on these words, as you can tell, I want to talk to you about the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the family of God, which is the household of faith, which is you and me and everyone that's in the house of God today. Anyone that is calls themselves a Christian, anyone says that I belong to Christ, that's what makes up the body of Christ. Verse 12 says the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, which is the body of Christ. Before we, I begin to break this down, like I said, what I want to get into is what Paul is actually saying. Uh, I want to lay the foundation, and I want to give you some detail and background into why Paul was even writing this letter to the church. I mean, there's a purpose and a meaning and a reason behind every word that is delivered to the house of God. And Paul wrote these words for a specific reason, and that's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on why God has left us these words as well. I want us to uh, look at the condition of the church and why Paul wrote this letter to the church this week, and then we'll get into the details next week. But what we need to understand from the very beginning, what we need to look at from the very get-go, is that Paul wrote these words to the church because there was some division developing in the church. There was some spiritual superiority that was beginning to rise up in this Corinthian church, and there was no single standard by which they were operating as a church, and there was no single standard by which they were operating as a body. And how many of you know for a body to function properly, there has to be a standard by which we live. There needs to be, as far as the spiritual body is concerned, there needs to be a single standard by which we operate, a single standard by which we live. There needs to be a a, a single rule by which uh, we live and that we must adhere to. But what was happening in the Corinthian church, there was some sort of a division that was taking place based on certain different elements and certain different reasons that we're going to look at today. The reality is Paul had to pull all of these individuals together because there was not one single standard. There was not one single purpose. There was not one single direction or path or doctrine that this church was following. So he had to pull them all together and remind them that they were to be one and that not only were they to be one, but they were to be one in Christ. And that's the key of what we need to understand. When we talk about one body, we need to be one body in Christ. We don't need to be one body out in the world and one body doing this and one body doing that. We need to be one body in Christ. And that's a fundamental foundation or principle that you need to understand as I go through this passage of Scripture. Because if we're not one in Christ... If Christ, church, were not the single standard by which they all live then or by which we all stand uh, live today, we cannot be one. The reality is when it comes to the body of Christ, if the single standard by which we live is not Christ, we cannot be one. There will be division. There will be uh, dissentment. There will be all sorts of things that make their way into the church based on different reasons that we'll look at. But that's why we need to be one in Christ. Christ. The reality is, if Christ is not the single standard by which we live, we cannot experience unity. If we do not experience unity, we cannot experience the power of God in our lives. It's a biblical principle. The reality is, and and the truth is, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that they were all gathered in one place. And, and I'm going to stop right there because here's what you need to understand. The power of, I'm not saying that this can't happen, but this kind of power that I'm talking about. The power of God fell and the Holy Spirit fell on them first because they were all in one place. Not because one of them was out on a golf course and one of them was out fishing and one of them was out at the mall and one of them decided to sleep in and one of them decided not to listen to Jesus and go to the upper room. When they listened to Jesus and the body of believers came together, 
together, something began to happen. The reality is what you and I need to understand is that something happens when a body of believers come together. The Bible says, if two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. What that's telling me is there's more power in two and three. If one can send a thousand to flight and two can send ten thousand to flight, how many do you think we can send to flight as a body of believers? The reality is something happens when we plug ourselves in to the body of Christ. The individual that says, I can have church at home and I can have church all by myself, does not understand the body of Christ. They don't understand that power is released when a body of believers come together in one place. But but Paul didn't stop there. The word didn't stop there. It goes on and says, when they were all in one place, and when they were all in one accord, then the Holy Spirit came upon them. When they were all of the same mind, when they were all intent on the same purpose, when they all shared the same heart, when they checked all of their personal politics at the door, when they got rid of all of the the things that would stand in the way, anything that would cause divisiveness, anything that would cause division, when when they checked their will at the door and their plan at the door and and everything else at the door and, and allowed themselves to be conformed to one body. Then the power of the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Listen, I I hope we grasp this. We come into the house of God so often, and we're not of one mind. We're not of one heart. One of us have our mind on Chick-fil-A. One of us have our mind on our finances. One of us have our mind on a bill we've got to pay. One of us have our mind on a divorce situation. One of us have our mind on the trouble that seems to come against us. But what God is telling us is that when we come together as a body, when we have one heart and one mind and one purpose among us, something powerful is going to happen in our midst. Amen. And this is exactly why it is so important for us to understand this teaching about the body of Christ and being one with one another. But first of all, one with God and one in Jesus Christ. The very first thing Paul teaches this church in Corinth, understand this, it was a church that was made up of various peoples. This was a peculiar church. If you study the history, it wasn't all of one people. It wasn't all of one ethnicity. It wasn't all of one background. It wasn't all of one heritage. It wasn't all of, uh, of, of one previous belief system. It was a mishmash of individuals. You could say today it was a multicultural church, just like we are different ethnicities, different backgrounds, uh, Baptists and Pentecostals and Methodists and everything else has come together as the body of Christ. And this is kind of what that church was like. It had all sorts of various beliefs and backgrounds and, and some used to worship uh, false gods. Some used to worship more than one God. It was just a plethora of different belief systems, ethnicities and cultures and heritages that were in this one body of believers. And it was all of those things that Paul realized could create some problems in the church if he did not address it. If he didn't say, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, no matter what your political persuasions might be, no matter what color you are, no matter what your socioeconomic status might be, in order for you to come together, you must be of one mind. You must all share one single standard of living, which is the word of God, one single purpose, which is to please and glorify the Lord. Everything else has to be put aside. Everything else. And the reality is, for South Metro Ministries to grow the way it is growing and to grow healthy, every one of us, when we walk through that door, have to lay some things aside. We have to come into that door realizing that no matter who else is in the house, I'm here with one purpose and one mind to worship God and glorify the Father in my life. So what we need to realize is they came from different backgrounds and cultures, and like I said, uh, different uh, different false gods that they had worshipped and ethnicities and whatnot. But when it came to Christ, when it came to their personal conversion, when it came to being born again, Paul reminded them that they are now part of one body. Paul reminded them that they are now to conform to that one body. How many of you understand that the body of Christ has an image? 
the body of Christ has a, uh, a structure that is supposed to be adhered to, an image that is supposed to be represented in the body of Christ. Listen, there's a lot of churches out there that look nothing like Christ, act nothing like Christ, talk nothing like Christ, live nothing like Jesus Christ. I would not call them the body of Christ. I would call them a body of whatever, mishmash believers. Maybe they believe in God, but listen, there's a difference between believing in God and conforming to God. There is a big difference in believing the word of God and conforming to the word of God. When we talk about, I am part of the family of God, we better seriously ask ourselves, do I look like I'm part of the family of God? Do I act like I'm part of the family of God? Do I live like I belong to the family of God? Because if I don't, listen, I cannot say I am part of the body of Christ. Ah, uh, listen, I taught last week. Jesus said, if I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and my truth abides in you, you shall ask anything according to my will and it shall be done. But he makes it very clear that apart from me, you can do nothing. And the reality is when you plug yourself, I, I hope with this, none of this is in my notes, but the reality is when you plug yourself into the spirit of God and you plug yourself into the word of God and you graft yourself into the presence of God, you cannot help but take on the likeness of God and the character of Jesus Christ. This is why all these things are so important. But we're talking about the body of Christ, and it should have a holy image. We talked about holiness. There, there is a character that should be represented among the body of Christ. It should be a reflection of heaven. But this is what he reminded them, that this, I'm talking to you, disciples. I'm talking to you, church, about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the body of ourselves. I'm not talking about the body of me, myself, or I. I'm not talking about the body of, of various... I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in, the, in so many of the, the following scriptures to tell us how that body is supposed to function, what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to act. We're going to look at that next week. But the reality is when it comes to being one body, we have to check ourselves at the door. When it comes to being one body, we have to leave ourselves behind so that we can be everything that God wants us to be. Paul says in verse 13, you were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And then he goes to on to teach them in the following verses how to live that way and how to act that way. And the, re, the reason that he wrote this letter was because they weren't. They weren't acting like the body of Christ. They weren't acting like one body. They weren't living like one body. Actually, they were a dysfunctional family. They were a spiritually dysfunctional family. They were not operating the, the way they needed to operate. They did not have right relationships one with another. And the reality is they did not have a right relationship with God. There were some things missing and there were some things among them that shouldn't have been. It's what we're going to look at tonight. One main problem with the Corinthian church was that their doctrine, their moral structure, the standards by which they lived, church, were being dictated and driven by their cultural differences and by their, uh, their personal politics and by their social status rather than the Word of God, rather than the things that they were taught, rather than the Old Testament scriptures that they had. That's, that was one of the main problems that they had. Their morals, their, the standards by which they lived were being dictated by the wrong thing. Not by the word of God. They were being dictated by other things. And the reality is, the more I thought about that, the more I began to realize, and I pray that it never takes place in my life, and I pray that we don't ever even accidentally from here. But there are so many pulpits out there. There are so many churches out there today where where they are becoming more and more politically correct where they are building the structure of the church, where they are building the vision of the church, where they are building the purpose of the church around a wrong doctrine, where they are building it around personal politics and all sorts of other things instead of the Word of God. I pray that we are always true to the Word of God at South Metro Ministries. I pray with all of my heart that this is always the single standard by which we operate and by which we live and by which we instruct our people to live. 
You see, it'd be easy for a lot of ministers to get behind the pulpit and preach all kinds of simple things. It's difficult sometimes to get up here and tell you, listen, we are in the minority. We are in the minority when it comes to preaching the full gospel. We are in the minority and we have such little time to preach it to you as well. We know that you're out there in the world seven days out of the week and we get an hour out of one week to try to contradict all the junk that is funneled into your life, all the lies that you're told, all the false doctrine that, that comes into your life. And we got to try to balance that out in an hour of our time. It's one more reason why you better be in the Word every single day all by yourself. That this better be the single tool and measure that you use to build your life upon. Because if you don't, you're going to face destruction. But this was one of the main problems that the Corinthian church had. But Paul reminded them that their conduct was to be dictated by the Word of God and nothing else. That their conduct in the house of God, that their moral standards, their moral structure, the standards by which they live were to be based upon the Word of God. The structure of the church, the function of the church. The form of the church and the purpose of the church was to be dictated by the word of God and not some mishmash of beliefs and differences that were among them. And this is what was creeping into that church. What we need to understand is that Paul was telling them their life and their body. The life and the body, Christ's body, which is the church, was not to be a, was to be a reflection of Christ and not their culture. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, and Paul wasn't saying, that a church cannot reflect the culture of its people. I'm not saying, and Paul wasn't saying, let's just say like a Caribbean church. I'm not saying that a Caribbean church cannot reflect that culture. I'm not saying that their music style can't correct, uh, can't reflect their, their culture or their heritage. I'm not saying that they can't have kettle drums and tin drums and, and worship differently than we do. I'm not saying that their heritage and their culture cannot be embraced in their praise and in their worship and in their life. What Paul was saying and what I am saying is when it comes to the place where the culture contradicts the Word of God, when the culture opposes the Word of God, when the culture clashes with the Word of God, something has to change. Something has to be surrendered. And the problem that we're facing today, instead of changing our cultural upbringing, instead of changing the things that contradict with the Word of God, we cling to our culture and we compromise the word of God that's what happens and this is what Paul was talking about he did not want the church to be dictated and run and built upon their culture or their political persuasions he wanted it to be built upon the word of God because if this was not their single standard of living there would be constant division because there were different cultures and there were different ethnicities and there were different status levels among the people. Just like here. Just like we got some rich people in this church and we got some that are not of great means. We've got black, we've got white, we've got Hispanic, Puerto Rican, we've got uh, German, I'm half German. We've got a, a host of individuals here and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us is there will never be a division in the body when this is our single standard of living. When we stop basing all of our, our, our thoughts and, and our decisions on a- anything besides the Word of God. When the Word of God, amen, when we base it on the Word of God, there will not be division. There will be unity in the house of God. So this is what we need to understand. Uh, when there is cultural conflicts, when the culture conflicts with the Word of God, then we have to examine ourselves. Listen, the reality is our culture, talking about culture, our culture here in the United States today, they say if it feels good, do it. That's the culture we live in. But the culture of Christ does not say that. What I'm saying is that that cultural mentality, that cultural thought conflicts with the Word of God. So I'm not going to change the Word of God. I'm going to put aside that cultural belief, and I'm not going to abide by it. The reality is this culture that we live in says that you, whatever you have to do to get to the top, whatever you have to, t- whatever you have to do to climb the ladder, go ahead and do it. But that's not the culture of Christ. That conflicts with the Word of God because the Word of God says that if you want to be great, you've got to be the least. 
If you, if you want to be great among men, you must be a servant to all. The Word of God says that if you want to uh, save your life, you've got to lose your life. It's in complete contrast to that cultural mentality. So what do we do? We're not supposed to compromise the Word of God, so we need to set aside that cultural belief. This is what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthian church. There are some thoughts, attitudes, mentalities, political persuasions, uh, cultural upbringings that you're going to have to set aside in order for my power to be placed upon you as a people. And some of those have to. Listen, our culture, in our culture today, you know it as well as I do, our culture is beginning to say and has over the last few years that say we need to be more tolerant of different faiths. We need to be more acceptant of different belief systems. We need to, we need to broaden our net as, as evangelical Christians and receive everybody into the tent. That's not biblical. It's, it's, it's a wrong cultural teaching. The culture today is, is in opposition to the Word of God that says there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. One way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. So anything that conflicts with the Word of God, Paul is saying, set aside. Our culture says that homosexuality is nothing more than an alternative lifestyle. But the culture of Christ says that it's, that it's sexual perversion. Our culture today says that abortion is nothing more than a reproductive right. It says that it's nothing more than a woman's right to choose. But the Word of God calls it murder. The Word of God says that it is an abomination in the eyes of God. So what happens? We have a cultural conflict going on. Just like was going on in the Corinthian church. And God, or God through Paul, said, here must be your standard. This must be your persuasion. This must be the thing you stand on. This must be the thing that sets your standards and your morals. You've got to be willing to set anything else aside that that conflicts with the Word of God. We need more of that today, church. I'm telling you, we need more of that. The Word of God makes it very clear that there were individuals in the Old Testament that had all kinds of traditions that they wanted to cling to. It was part of their heritage. It was part of their culture. But Jesus said what? Put it aside. Let it go. Because you've got to conform yourself to my image. You've got to conform yourself to my likeness. You've got to conform yourself to my word, my will, and my ways. If you want to be part of the body. If you want to be part of the body. If you don't want to be part of the body, that's another story. You can go off and do your own thing. But if you want to be part of the body of Christ, this has to be the standard. You must conform to the will of God. Paul was saying, this is what Paul was saying. That culture can't dictate doctrine. But rather, doctrine must develop a new culture in our lives. Culture cannot dictate the doctrine by which we live, but the doctrine of God must create a new culture in our lives. Listen, Paul spoke to the Romans, another church, who were steeped in tradition. In Romans 12, 12, he says, you should not be conformed to this world. And actually, the word world that he was using meant culture. You should. Be be not conformed to this culture. He was talking to the Romans who had a pretty weird culture. I mean, they loved a lot of violent things. They loved a lot of uh, sexually perverted things. They, uh, that's the culture that they lived in. But Jesus said, look, I don't care what culture you came from. Be that, do not be conformed to the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to prove that which is the good and acceptable will of the Father. There comes a point in our time where culture, politics, anything that has to be set aside so we can look more like Jesus Christ. This is what he was saying to the Corinthians. There's something getting in the way. There's something just not right about you. There's something doesn't, something just doesn't look right. Something just doesn't sound right. Something just doesn't feel right. You ever been around someone like that? They're just, something's not right. You don't know what it is, but just something's just not right. And this is where Paul was with the Corinthians here. It was just something about them that wasn't right. And he felt like what it was, was this. That there were so many things that were standing in the way of them becoming one body and everything that God wanted. So he wrote this letter. They weren't functioning like the body of Christ because they were not conforming to one body. They all had differences, different beliefs. They all had their opinions. They all wanted this. They all want the church should be this way. The church should be that way. It should be 70 degrees. It should be 68 degrees. It should be five degrees. It should be blue. It should be green. It should be purple. The keyboard should be over there. It should be over there. It should be louder. It should be softer. Music should be faster. It should be this. You understand what I'm saying? They all had their opinion. 
But Jesus was saying, look, get it together. Get on the same page. He was saying, get your mind on one accord. Get it on the word of God so that you can look like God. This is what he was talking about. Listen, the members of, of the members, the parts of the body have forgotten that they have a role and a responsibility within that family, I believe. I believe that they have forgotten that there is a prescribed way of living as a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to get into more detail of that next week. But the reality is there is a part. You are a part of the body. And you can't just be some rogue part of the body that does whatever it wants to do. You must conform yourself to the body of Christ. Understand what I'm saying. What if I had a rogue foot? I'm trying and I had a rogue foot that just wanted to do its own thing all day. I'd never get anything done. If I had a rogue arm that was just, you know, doing its own thing all day, I wouldn't look right. I I couldn't get anything done. And Paul was saying, this is what's happening in the church. I've got some rogue parts of the body that want to do it their way instead of my way. They want the whole church to to conform to their likeness and their opinions and their politics and their background instead of the background of Jesus Christ. Instead of the heritage of God. This is what was happening and Paul had to address it. That's exactly why he's bringing us this word today so we don't fall into that same trap. So that we can understand what it's going to take to be a powerful church in this century, in this community, and make a difference for the kingdom of God. The truth is, we're not living and we're not acting like we are members of one body. We're not living and acting like we are members of the body of Christ. Too many parts, like I said, they're doing their own thing. Too many parts are functioning however they want to function and they're following their own beliefs or their own ideas, ideals even. They're failing or even refusing to conform to the body of Christ and they would rather the church conform to them than them conform to Christ. But the reality is far too many individuals today, not just here, it does happen here and I had some numbers, but I'm not going to read them to you because they're kind of disappointing. But the reality is far too many individuals join the body, but then they never function as part of the body. The reality is that they they become parts or they become members of the body, but then they never give to the body. They never serve the body. They never function properly within the body. They never pray for the body or sacrifice for the body. They never stay up late at night for the body. They never reach out and minister to the body. They never pick up that part of the body that's hurt. They never put on the bomb of Gilead. They never, they never stir another part of the body on to good works. They never agree. You understand what I'm saying? They become part of the body, but they don't function as part of the body. They become like some dead limb that just sits there. The reality is, listen, and I'm not saying this in a mean way, and I'm not saying it that it's you, because you're here and I praise God for it, but there are so, mem- there are so many members of the part of the body which have become parasites instead of parts of the body that work where parasites just suck in and suck in and suck in and soak up and do damage to the body rather than a part of the body listen the body of christ don't need any parasites the the body of christ it does it does no good if you want to be a part of the body of christ you better be ready to buckle it up you better be ready to strap it on you better be ready to tie up your shoes you better be ready to bend some knees you better be ready to reach out and serve if you want to be part of the body of christ You better be ready to look past black. And you better be ready to look past white. And you better be ready to look past rich. And you better be ready to look past poor. If you want to be part of the body of Christ. It's the only way the power of God is going to come down in our life. My Lord, we need to learn what it means to be part of the body of Christ. What a privilege it is to carry that name, to be invited into that family. Oh, we don't have to pay anything. Man, there's some people out there got to pay thousands and thousands of dollars a year to be part of an elite club. And all we got to do is offer our heart to God. We can be part of the most elite body there is in this universe. 
the sons and daughters of God, the body of Jesus Christ. What an honor it is to be even likened to him. And that's why we need to act like him, live like him, talk like him, be a proper reflection of the body of Christ. Far too many individuals, like I said, they become members of the body without conforming to the body. The reason that I didn't give you the statistic was because I looked at how many people became members of the church here at South Metro over so many years. And over 50%, over 50% aren't even here. I went back five years, three years, two years, over 50% of that, the body of Christ that became members, became a part of the body, became detached. Now, I know that some people move away, and I know there's some other things, but what that's telling me, that's a, that's a dangerous statistic. Because for some reason, they're not getting plugged in. For some reason, they're not being grafted in. For some reason, they're not doing their part. When you become a member, I'm not talking to, when you become a member at South Metro Ministries, listen, it's more than just your name on a roll. It's more than just a name scribbled out on a piece of paper. You become, when you join the membership of South Metro Ministries, you become part of the body of Christ. A functioning body. Listen, listen, when you get saved, you don't have to join a church. You don't have to join membership to be a part of the body of Christ. But I'm telling you, the same principle applies. When you become saved, when you become part of the body of Christ, even outside of the church, you have a role and a responsibility to play in that body. And the other truth is that when you join membership at South Metro Ministries, you have a duty and a responsibility to that body, to your brothers, to your sisters, to the pastor, to the staff, to the community. And anyone that we come in contact with, you have a responsibility. But there's too many people in the, in the body of Christ as a whole and even in the body of Christ locally that aren't fulfilling the role, that aren't doing, fulfilling their responsibility. They become something that just drains the life out of the church instead of adding life to the church. And Paul wants us to understand that that is not how we become part of the body of Christ. In Paul's letter, he makes it very clear that every member of the body has a role. Every member has a purpose. Every member has a responsibility to one body, and that is the body of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that, like I said, next week in detail. What Paul was trying to teach the church then, what Paul is trying to teach the church today, is that when you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when you're born again, you become a new member of a new body. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So the reality is there are some things about our life. When you become a member of the body of Christ, there's some old ways you got to leave aside. Old things have passed away. And when Paul refers to the body of Christ, he is talking about the new man. Please understand me. He is talking about a new creation. He's talking about a new creature. He's talking about a new mind and a new eye and a new ear and a new mouth. You see, when you become part of the body of Christ, when old things have passed away, you take on a new mouth that doesn't talk like it used to talk. He's talking about new eyes that don't look at things the way they used to. He's talking about a new ear that doesn't open itself up to gossip and junk and all kinds of lying. He's talking about new feet that walk in God's ways and walk in the path of righteousness and not unrighteousness. He's talking about new hands that serve the brother and serve the sister instead of serving itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking about a new back that is able to bear someone else's burden and carry it a mile or two. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking about new knees that are able to bend and bow before a Lord God Almighty instead of bending and bowing before the world. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And if you want to be part of the body of Christ, the newness has to show up in your life. Amen. Bless the Lord. This is what it's not going to happen overnight, but it's a process that he's talking about. Everything about us has to become new. If we want to be identified with the body of Christ, it needs to become new. We want to be part of the body so often without having to conform to the body. We want the blessings and we want the benefits and we want the privileges without having to pay the dues. We want to go play on the golf course without having to pay the $10,000 green fee. So what do we do? 
Like so many, we sneak in and play a couple rounds that are in the backyard so we don't have to pay full price. I'm not, I'm not downing you for that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's what we do even in the spiritual world. We want the blessings. But we don't want to pay the dues and we don't want to pay the price. We don't want to bend the knee. We don't want to say the prayer. We don't want to sing the song. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to serve. We don't want to do the things that are required for us to truly experience God's blessings in our life. Remember, Paul wrote earlier to the same exact church. And I'm going to have to wind this down somewhere. I've still got a few minutes, I know. But Paul wrote to the same exact church, Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. And it reminded them. That when it came to the body of Christ, when it came to a Christian, when it came to a believer, he said, you're not your own. He reminded this Corinthian church filled with the same individuals, same ethnicity, same background, probably same little divisions that he's noticed. A lot of the same selfishness, a lot of the same trying to exalt themselves. And he said, listen, body, he said, listen, believer, you're not your own. I don't know what you're grumbling about. I don't know what you're complaining about, but you're not your own. You've been bought with a price and you're supposed to glorify God in your body. You know what? Half of our grumbling would complain if we would understand that we don't belong to ourselves. If we would surrender ourselves and come to that realization, I don't belong. I don't belong to myself, so I don't know why I'm grumbling. I'm God's property. He bought me. He paid for me. He poured out his blood for me. I belong to him. I think half our grumbling would complain if we would just surrender and yield ourselves to the fact that I don't belong to me. I don't belong to myself and I don't belong to I. I belong to the I am of I ams. And he can do with my life what he wants to do. So he said, you've been bought with a price. Understand, when we come to Christ, we cannot live like we want to. When we come to Jesus Christ, when we come into salvation, we can't do what's right in our own eyes. We can't walk in our own ways. We can't lean on our own understanding. We're not free to live however we choose because we are not our own. Because we are part of the body of Christ. And that's the way we need to live. We've got to be one with Christ. We've got to be one with the Spirit. We've got to be one with the Word. We've got to be one with the truth. We've got to be one with the Father. And we have to abide in Him. You see, the reality is if we think we can be a Christian and live however we want to, we have no concept of what it means to be a Christian. We have no concept of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. The reality is we've got to learn to lay down our life. The reality is we need to learn to deny ourselves as part of the body of Christ. To be a part of the body of Christ, one of the first things we have to do, Jesus said, is to deny yourself. To deny yourself. To count yourself uh, least. Count yourself least. Count your will least, your desires least, your wishes least. And count the will of God and the desire of God first in your life. We've got to deny ourselves if we want to become part of the body of Christ. We've got to take up our cross just like Christ did. We've got to lay down our life in order to save our life. But one of the greatest problems with the church today. And I've been there. Some of you, if you're honest, you've been there. We treat, we treat, we treat God like he's a, a restaurant sometimes. And I say that because as I was putting this together, when I'm talking about surrender, that, that's the last thing that so many people want to do in the house of God. But to become part of the body of Christ, we have to surrender. And the only thing that I could think of was the old Burger King slogan. That said, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. Now, if there is ever a lie concerning Christianity, that's a lie. If anyone teaches you that you can have it your way as a Christian, they're telling you a lie. I want you to understand that this is a cultural clash when it comes to Christianity. Because Jesus made it very clear that when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to being part of the body of Christ, you can't have it your way. You can't have it your way. you got to give it God's way. His will, His wishes, His desires, not my way. The problem is when we don't get it our way, we start to fuss like little babies. That's the reality that takes place in the house of God. It's filled with individuals who want it their way. They want their seat. They want their parking spot. They want their favorite song. They want their favorite temperature. They want their voice to be heard. They want their grumblings to be listened to. 
You understand they want their ministry. They want their ten men. They want their name in the bulletin. They want their spot somewhere in the church. You understand what I'm saying? We cannot have it our way when it comes to the body of Christ. We must yield ourselves and surrender ourselves and conform ourselves to the image of Christ. And what is the image of Christ? Even though he came, even though he came in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a bondservant, and that was exactly what Paul followed. Paul, every time he, he started a letter, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You talk about someone that was surrendered, it was Paul. You talk about someone that was surrendered, it was Jesus Christ. And Paul wanted nothing more than to be part of Christ's body. And he understood, in order for me to be a part of the body of Christ, I've got to be a bondservant. I've got to follow in the same footsteps that Jesus Christ laid out before me. And if that's the case, listen, I can't have it my way. I'm sure Paul and Silas... If they had it their way, they wouldn't have been in that dungeon at midnight. I'm sure if Paul and Silas had it his way, he'd have rather not been flogged. He'd rather have not been beaten with rods. He'd rather have not been tried to have been stoned to death two times. But all he cared about was being a reflection of Christ. All he cared about was being a true member of the body of Christ. And he wanted to fill his role. And if it cost him his life, Paul said, I'll do it. Paul was willing to do it. If becoming a, a, a true part of the member, a member of the body of Christ, I'll do whatever it takes. And this is what we're being encouraged to do as well. I'm going to close with this. I've said everything that I've said because what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthians above everything else is that it's not about you and it's not about me. He was reminding the Corinthian church that it's not about your political persuasions. It's not about your heritage or your heritage or your culture or your culture. It's not about my own belief system or your own belief system. It's not about my status or your status. It's not about any of those things. It's about Jesus Christ. What he was trying to tell the, the, the Corinthian church is that you've got it all wrong. It's all, it's all about the wrong things. You're on the wrong page is really what he was trying to tell them. And his sole goal was to bring all the different cultures, all the different ethnicities, all the different backgrounds. And he was trying to get them onto the same page and say, when you all get on the same page, you're going to be the reflection that I want you to be. When you all get onto that same page, one heart, one mind, one purpose, you watch the power of God flow out into your life. You see, it was Paul's desire to have nothing more than another uh, upper room experience in that church. He knew that if the Corinthian church could come together like those 120 believers that were in the upper room and set aside everything except having one mind and one purpose, he knew that the power of God could uh, flow into their lives as well. And he's telling us the same thing. If you want that power, if you want uh, that kind of influence in your life and God's blessing in your life, then we need to check ourselves at the door and we need to say, okay, God, I want to be part of the body. If that's your desire tonight and you say, God, yeah, you've been speaking to me and I know there's some things I can lay aside for me to be a, a true part of that body of Christ. If you can physically, I want you to stand to your feet and say, God, in an example of surrendering and a desire to be part of that body, I'm just going to stand up and say, God, I'm giving it to you tonight and I'm willing to let you conform me into your likeness. That's what it takes for the Holy Spirit to conform us into Christ's likeness so we can be a part, part of the body of Christ. Heavenly Father. I just thank you for this word. First, God, I thank you for sowing it in my spirit. First, God, I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you, Father God, for taking the time to minister your word in my life over the last couple days. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you, Father God, for the wisdom that you've given me, for the physical ability, Father God, for the spiritual understanding that you gave me, God, to be able to deliver this word. And now I pray that this word, Father God, would mean the same for your people as it does for me. 
I pray, God, that this word would find a place in the soil of their soul. I pray, God, that it would take root and that it would grow, Father God, that they would that they would nurture these seeds and that they would water these seeds, that they would pray over these seeds and that they would, God, protect these seeds that have the power to bear fruit and fruit that would last, power to change their lives, power to be salt and light, power to make a difference in this world. God, I pray that you would help us as your people to lay aside everything that is contrary to your word. Help us to put aside our agendas and our personal politics and anything that would come into conflict with your word. God, any anything about our personal cultures that would conflict with your word, address those things with us so we could transform them, Father God, into your likeness and your image so that we could be a true body of Christ filled with power and filled with glory and filled with light so we can make a difference in this world. And God, one more thing that I pray. God, I pray for Sunday. I pray, Father God, for this time of celebration that's coming up. I thank you, Father God, for the 25 years that you've brought Pastor Allen. And I thank you now for 25 more. I thank you for your faithfulness among your people. I thank you for lives that have been saved. I thank you for marriages that have been mended. I thank you for bodies that have been healed. I thank you that you have led us so far, God. And you have told us that he that has begun a good work in us is faithful to complete that work till it's done. So I pray that you would go before us for Sunday, that you would cause everything to work according to plan. God, that you would pave the way, that your Holy Spirit would already fill that place so that we can have a time of celebration like we never have. Bring in every guest, Father God, safely. Anoint every speaker, Father God. I pray that everything would just run smooth for your glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. I will stress, be there. Don't miss it. It's going to be a great celebration. The doors open at 9, so seats will be open and available anytime after that. Be blessed and go in the name of the Lord.